Monday, September 4th. It's actually Labor Day, isn't it? It doesn't feel it like Labor Day. I, I, does it ever feel like Labor Day? Happy Labor Day, my friend. Happy Labor Day to you two, I guess. It's a Victory Monday. Happy Victory Monday. It is a victory. It's a Victory Monday for both of us. Wow, look at us. Wait, why are you saying both of us? Like I'm not a fan of your team. That's what I'm saying. Like it's we we as Michigan State football fans are celebrating okay. on Victory Monday. You're right. We are. Thank right? you. Right? Yeah, are we? that we are. We okay. we very much are. <laughs> I have sure. to remind myself that sometimes. Uh it's a it's a great, great Monday, great weekend. Uh you were out on a lake, but not enough lake content. I'm a little I have a conspiracy theory going, you weren't actually on a lake. What do you mean? Well, you told me you were on a lake and you told me you were going to a lake and I would expect lake content. I never got any lake content from you on a lake. And if there's one thing you don't do when you're on a lake, it's not provide lake content. Did you check your Snapchat? No. Do I need to? <laughs> well, there's your there's your lake content. In my defense, I'm a little jaded to all of this because last night uh, when I was telling my wife we were maybe going to record early or something. And you said you were an hour away from home. And you'd drive back in the morning. Mal's response was, well, that's a lie. And she had a deep conspiracy theory that you guys were already home based on a snap that Meg had put up. Mal really on the detectiveness. <laughs> she got me on edge. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I, and by the way, I don't think it was a lie. I defended you, but anyways, Thank here you. we are. Uh, I'm just, it, does this have any correlation with the fact that my dream last night was that you got on this podcast and announced that Mal was pregnant again? Well, it's crazy that you say that cart because it probably is time for a little announcement for me, isn't it? No way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not true. That'd oh, be wild. That'd be wild. I think that's physically possible. I think it would be physically possible, but we're not a podcast about human anatomy. We're a podcast about college sports, and we have uh, quite a bit to get to because college football is here, my friend. Should we do a quick newsletter recap, by the way? Uh, yeah. Not the greatest newsletter week, but then I look back at it, and you're three and one on against the spread picks. Yeah, went pretty solid. Michigan State minus 14, even though it stressed me out. Uh, Utah minus four and a half hit pretty easily. Florida State plus two and a half. Obviously, they whooped LSU outright. And then my pick out of respect backfired as the fighting Peyton Thorns covered against Don Brown and the Minutemen. But I, I had to make that pick based off last week and what the, they earned that respect. And you know what? They almost did cover, but it wasn't really close at the same time. Yeah, I forgot the key thing about Don Brown teams is that they only beat up on talentless teams and then they get beat up by talented teams. So that's on me. I should have warned you. Although you probably would have fought me on Auburn being talented based on who their starting quarterback is. So uh, I don't know. We can avoid that for now. Point is three and one day for you in the newsletter. That's a winning week. My against the spread picks were two and three. I'm pretty upset about the three losses. Purdue had a thousand different chances to win and cover that game and didn't. Um, Houston against UTSA. Nobody told us Houston was going to wear baby blue and red uniforms. And they did. They wore baby blue and red. Literally, uniforms. literally your favorite colors. I said it on the last episode we did on Wednesday. I said baby blue and reds an underutilized color combo. It's the key to everything. And then Houston comes out in those. Nobody told me. Never would have bet UTSA had I known that. So uh, GTZ teasers though two and zero oh, 
on those. And uh, Don Brown actually did cover a leg of that for me. It was plus 48. They lost by 45. <laughs> I, was hey. sweating. I was sweating at the end there. And my long shot, uh, my underdog parlay had a chance, by the way. Had Colorado money line, had Florida State money line. The only miss was Indiana money line over Ohio State. But to be honest, the logic of that play worked. Ohio State's yeah. quarterbacks stink. Yeah, Indiana does my stink more. They definitely stink more. And uh, Trace Jackson Davis's brother didn't get the start either, even though he looked like the better quarterback. So I don't know what's going on there, but um anyways good good day of college football even if our bets didn't go as explosively great as they did in week zero still a a profitable week one i would say uh you get the bets the sleepers bets in the newsletter that we write up every single week we make that available to our discord by the way we did get a little flurry of signups on saturday i still don't know i don't know if people are confused on the discord i think some people might think like you get the newsletter for free if you quote unquote join the discord, but you got to join the paid discord in order to get all this stuff. You can join the discord without paying, but then you won't see anything. So I hope people aren't confused about that out there, but uh, there's like 90 people that have joined the discord 40 or so of them have paid and uh, the community's rocking. We're talking in there every single day, some good stuff going on in there. So more to come later this week. We also lied to the Discord. I feel like we should address the fact that we lied to the Discord. We told them we would do some live shows on Thursday and Friday, and then we just didn't do those. Yeah, but I feel like they didn't want them. You feel like we're responding to the Discord's energy? Yeah, I feel like they didn't want If they really wanted them, I feel like we would have gave it to them, but I don't think they wanted them. Okay. I like that angle. We're just here to serve the Discord, and we read the Discord, and we we react to what the Discord wants. Yeah. Give the Discord what they need. What if the Discord wants some feet picks from Carter? They can get those, but I haven't had a I haven't had a pedicure in a while. I actually got a pretty, pretty nasty callus forming right now. I need to make an appointment to go get my feet done. Are you a pedicure guy? Yeah. Pedicure guy for sure. Manicure guy too? Uh not necessarily a manicure guy. I kind of take care of my own nails. Uh, you know, cut them, keep them nice. Use cute you ever had cuticle oil? Mm-mm. Yeah, it's very nice. You like put it literally on the cuticle area and it just makes your hands and fingernails it just feel very smooth and fluid. I highly recommend it. But yeah, I'm a pedicure guy, except for the fact that I wait, are you a pedicure guy before I I no, go into this? so I uh one of the top tier non-negotiable things about me is that I have extremely ticklish feet. See, so I do too. That's the only thing I hate. Like there's nothing more like I guess emasculating and being like six seven two sixty in a chair with a fifty year old lady massaging your feet and you're just giggling and squirming like that just that just it's a, it's a bad look to keep it together. I used to be anti pedicure because I went to some random ass spot that was in a Walmart in Jackson, Michigan, and got a pedicure. Ended up getting an ingrown toenail, worst pain of my life. But realize if you go to like nicer places, pedicures are fire. I gotta say, I mean, that's just what you get for getting a pedicure in a Walmart in Jackson, Michigan. Okay. I mean, I, I don't want to comment on it, but let's just say freshman year Carter was thirsty and he was doing <laughs> anything. All right. So if if you wanted to go, if you want to go to Walmart to get pedicures, I was going to Walmart to get pedicures and grabbing Subway before. 
Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, what great Labor Day energy we've got today. Five minutes on pedicures at the top of the show. Uh, some of our listeners might enjoy that more than what we're going to talk about for the majority of this episode. We're going to do a couple of college football segments. I know some people have not enjoyed that from us, but uh, hey, we talked about it. We're going to commit to it. We want to talk about college football. So we're going to talk about some college football. We're going to talk about Keon Coleman's incredible night one. And then we're going to talk about Deion Sanders. Uh, and everything that is happening at Colorado, Colorado money line hits against TCU. And then the third segment should be fun. It is college basketball themed as well. Classic Big Ten segment from us. Big Ten trades. We both have come up with three different college basketball player trades that we believe would benefit both sides. We're going to present them to the other person. The other person's going to tell us whether that trade would be approved or denied and whether they like the trade. So looking forward to that segment. Uh, but first, Carter, as always, we will take some comments. Let's start with Carter Elliott's comment of the day, his favorite comment from the YouTube channel that we read on every single episode. Okay, for this comment, this one got me thinking. Okay, first of all, want to address Boilerball three hundred nine four Discord. Like to bring in the fourteen year olds. Okay, that's why Purdue lost. Anyways, the comment that I really wanted to read was my red pillow said that Coleman can go ahead and go to Rutgers just as long as we get Cliff Amarui in return. And this had me thinking because we talked about this on some episodes before. It seems like Illinois doesn't realize what they necessarily have in Coleman. There's a lot worse basketball players in the world to stake your claim to hating than Coleman. And if I was Rutgers, I would take that trade in a heartbeat. If I was Illinois, I would deny that trade in a heartbeat. Do you feel the same? How should others feel? It's a trade that I don't think makes sense for either side to be honest i guess you can make an argument it makes sense for Rutgers because they kind of don't have a an offensive identity right now and maybe coleman could theoretically give you that illinois though like if you get cliff all that does is make dane danger redundant so like okay you probably have an upgraded center cliff's a really good center one of the best in the big 10 dane now comes off the bench and you have a massive hole next to them like do you now have to play terrence shannon who i've been told is going to play some point guard for you at the four full-time okay now there's an extra spot in the backcourt you need a body i don't know i don't think that helps illinois so i would not do that um but i'm with you like it feels like the coleman stuff is personality based and i don't like doing that although i shouldn't say like i shouldn't hate on people for doing that because we definitely make judgments off of people's personalities i just think in general we like the players with dickheaded personalities and a lot of fans hate the players with dickheaded personalities I just never ever seen. Well, I think the last time I saw it or felt it, there was a couple game stretch from Michigan State when Joey Hauser touched the ball or did anything wrong. You think that they want to take him to the that the big rock on campus and throw him against it? Like it was insane. Like how well, how he couldn't do anything right. We went to the Illinois Michigan State game. Whenever Coleman touched it, there was a group of probably three men, at least 45, 45 and above. Anytime Coleman touched the ball, yelling, yelling things at him, calling him, calling him an idiot for shooting shots, like just actually letting him have it before he even did anything. It's just the energy when Coleman does things is just off to me. With yeah, I, and it's not even like like Jordan Poole got a lot of that in Michigan. Genuinely, like Michigan fans didn't 
love Jordan Poole the whole time he was there. And I'm like, this dude's the coolest. I get it. He's erratic. He takes some crazy shots and he complains, but like, he's awesome. Like, let's enjoy that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What are you doing? Uh, Terrence called me. So I was sending him a picture of what, why I didn't answer his call. Oh, nice. Love that. Hi, Terrence. Good morning. Do you always get calls at 948 in the morning from TJ? No. So should we answer live on the podcast? No, well, I actually I got this thing with TJ because I sometimes ignore his calls. If it is an emergency, he sends me like a, a the red emoji. There's like codes. If it's green, it can be like a later call. If it's orange, it might percolate a little bit and get out of control. If it's red, I should call back immediately. We're good. Wow. Okay. Uh Carter Elliott, great friend. Just want to throw that out there. Like th- these are the lengths that Carter Elliott will go to to make sure you have a secure, stable friendship. You gotta love it. All right. Um, quick comment on the Purdue one, though. I know we're only supposed to do one comment from the YouTube, but uh, you showed incredible restraint to our friend Craig from Braggs in the Stands over the weekend, who I uh, let, let's be clear. The moment that Michigan State was in a one point game with Western Michigan, you were hearing it from our buddy Craig and then nowhere to be found. When Purdue blows an 11 point lead and loses a game that they should never have lost. So, uh, incredible restraint from the most violent person I know, Carter Elliott. Yeah, but you know, sometimes you got to let the violent guys do their things. And uh, there's some saying that because of that comment, you blow leads at home to Fresno State and you can't stop them. I don't know. That's just, that's just me. But I, cu- I couldn't imagine waking up on this Labor Day like, Greg, you went to go get your Duncan. You 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 got a one and zero Duncan. Big B, Big B, excuse me. Sorry, you got big. You got a one and zero Big B. Some people didn't get one and zero Big B. Some people got on one. Some people went back to the drawing boards after week one. Gross. <laughs> Who would ever want to do that? All right, uh, we love you, Craig. If you're listening to this, no, you listen. To the I, show I don't. I'm on probation with Craig. We got beat <laughs> for a little bit. I, I need some time. That, that that struck a chord with me. All right, uh, let's let's be graceful as I would say this isn't a breakup here we love Craig but uh, let's just be a little graceful in our victory lapping of Craig Bowers okay all right uh discord comments let's do some discord comments discord a little all over the place as you would expect on a vacation weekend but uh, a lot of good chat and here a lot of betting this weekend like people are really bringing bets to the table shout out Daniel Greer our boy joined the discord he's bringing some like Mookie bets winners almost every single day to the discord betting channel right now fam's got the tennis on lock uh, we got a fantasy draft coming this week if you want to play fantasy football with the sleepers it's not too late to get involved in that you just got to get in the discord by tomorrow there's a lot of stuff happening it's fun please join the discord uh, here's the comments Tristan says Big Ten backups his team Boo Booey, Key Tomanaga, uh, Jameson Battle, Tyler Wall, Cliff Amorier, and Mike Woodson. I don't think Tristan understood the exercise. Yeah, that that's about as jaded as Tristan's diet. I just I, I'm not following. I don't know if that's a joke. I don't know if that's. No, like- I I think he I think he's saying like the backup to the the we're we're picking backup players in the Big Ten. We're not picking backups to the the first team all big 10 members that we chose either way ludicrous group from him tyler wall being in his top 10 is utter insanity I so mean, is it, uh... I, it, it's less insane than the thought of boo boo being a backup point guard genuinely crazy 
Uh, love you, Tristan, but come on, come on, my friend. Maybe, honestly, Tristan, you might have lost too much weight. It's getting to your head. You might need to put <laughs> a little more back on, my friend, please. We we want you to be healthy. Uh, moving on, a lot of responses that's, to that's that. Uh, Trevor Trevor was in here saying Trey Kaufman-Ren at center, Xavier Booker at the four. We locked in Trey Kaufman-Ren pretty quickly. I think we could have gone Xavier Booker. I think a lot of people would have picked Xavier Booker in the spot we did. My response is just there's a lot of really good backup bigs in the conference. I don't think there's a lot of great backup guards. In my opinion, we got the best point guard off the bench in the conference, bar none. That's Jeremy Fierce. So that meant no Xavier Booker. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's I, I honestly didn't realize how kind of thin the backup guard position was till we did that exercise. It didn't strike me. A lot me of good ones. Yeah. yeah. Really, yeah, isn't. it's ugly. It's ugly. There's not a lot of great starting guards in my opinion. You know, like Michigan State, the good teams have good starting guards. You get like halfway through and you're like, Brock Harding. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I know I bring a lot of slander to Brock Harding, but uh, I can't. He's like the sixth best point guard in this conference. It's crazy to me. Trevor also says he's here for the Grealish slander. Uh, I said he's a cardio merchant. I stand by that. Do you have any rebuttal to me on my my Grealish slander? Well, I, I think another thing that I like about this is all I'll say about Grealish is that he's one of those players. Again, we talked about Coleman. There was a time whenever Grealish touched the ball, whenever Grealish did anything, it was all, oh, this guy's shit, 100, 100 million pounds, most expensive footballer at the time ever, da da da. And all he's done since then is win a treble, be one of our best players on the team last season, and get absolutely active at all celebrations. This man couldn't walk at the Manchester City parade because he came right from Ibiza. He's a hero. <laughs> I didn't know that side of Grealish. I might need to, <laughs> to recalculate my feelings on this man. You are my dra- you are my you are my Jack Grealish. Yeah, I see I don't know what to do with that. I'm not educated enough to know whether that's a compliment or like something. I'm your I'm your Erling Holland and see, that's I don't accept and, that. And you're my Jack Grealish. I don't accept that. I don't think Grealish is doing as much behind the scenes as I am. Like I'm, I'm down to let you score the goals. I'm down to let you be the face. That's fine, but I don't think Grealish is is putting four extra hours a day behind the scenes in like I am. I think he is. I, I don't think sleep. We're gonna have to talk about this. Ulamog okay. says the streak ends at 38 daily episodes. Payout to all those who bet under the 50. Uh, I don't know that anybody could have bet under. That would have been like minus a hundred thousand. I think yeah. people cashed the alternate over 30 and a half. I think people cashed that big plus money. Oh, hundred percent. 50. That's just ridiculous. That's just, you can't find those. You yeah. Can't find those odds. We now have a, a new target to break though. 38 consecutive days with episodes. Day one. Day one. Let's Let's day. Let's I want that smoke. Nick 1904 says today's episode has me at work doing absolutely nothing besides thinking about my own college basketball hall of fame foursome pause. Would love to hear your opposite for, for a hall of hate. My Mount Rushmore of hate is Aaron craft with four different expressions. (laughs) And I'm dead serious. Nick jumped back in and said, Brad Davison is an easy, but non-negotiable answer presented by Grayson Allen. Hold on a second. Friend of the pod, okay, Brad Davidson. Brad Davidson was, I think he was the first player to come on Sleepers, actually. He was. If Sleepers existed 10 years earlier, Aaron Kraft would have been on the show, though. And no. you would you would not dislike Aaron Kraft. No, no. That's, a, <laughs> that's the one thing. I, you know how we always, we're always talking about how we got to be professional and carry ourselves a certain way? I will dead ass not even dap or look at Aaron Kraft if I saw him in public. 
I made the, it's no longer the password to this for the record, but uh, a couple of our sleepers passwords to certain accounts were Aaron craft four for a while. <laughs> you did not enjoy that, but you just had ridiculous. to enter it. You had just to rid- enter it. Just ridiculous. Coy noticed a trend uh, as Nick said, Brad Davison and Grayson Allen. He said white dudes that were good, but not great is the answer. It looks like. It does I feel mean, like like white players are are pretty easy to hate in college basketball for some reason. It was just like, well, yeah, I don't know because they they do it to themselves. Like Jamal Mulvaney, a lot of people don't like him. Well, I mean, but there's also like you know the Drake Gibbs Lawhorns of the worlds. Are we saying DGL's white? No, I'm just saying like he, he rubs people the wrong way. Oh. Sky Clark rubs people the wrong way. Okay, yeah. You're right. That's not a not a race thing. That goes always. You're right. But at the same time, when you <laughs> add it up, the, the data kind of backs it. Yeah, I, I just on a list like this, I don't think people are rushing to say DGL or Sky Clark the way they right. are. Like, I mean shit, even in the Discord when people started chiming in, we were getting, oh, Aaron Craft, uh, Grayson Allen, uh, you know, Brad Davison. That was that was that was kind of the archetype. Yeah, I'd have to think on my all hate list for quite a while, to be honest. I think Xavier Simpson would be on it. I really, really did not enjoy my. I might put Tum Tum might make mine. Yeah, I feel like if we did ours genuinely, I think we would have more players from our own teams than we yeah, would. Yeah, and it'd be like it'd be like players that held other players back. You might have the entire current center rotation <laughs> in your Mount Rushmore. Can I get a sneaky pick on there, please? That I didn't think it would be on there. Please. I think Kenny Goins might make a spot on there. Again, friend of the pod. Wow. I don't know. I didn't realize he, I, didn't re- I didn't realize he thought he was Zion. Yeah, we were like asking him about the the game where Jaron was notoriously on the bench. And uh he just he like very abruptly cut us off. It was just like, I mean, like <laughs> like the, the, what do you mean? Like, of course I was playing over Jaron. Like, uh, let's let's dial this one back for a second, Kenneth. Uh, moving on. Tristan said, hope you enjoyed your vacation, Greg. Thank you, cheese man. Word on the streets of Jakarta, though, is that you really needed extra prep time for two upcoming fantasy drafts that you're about to get wrecked in. Any response? Yeah, here's a quick response. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I'm very good at fantasy football when I care about the league. Last year, I was in four leagues. Two of them, like, abruptly from the beginning, did not care about. One of them's a league, like, I run. That's a keeper's league with 24 people where the winner gets, like, 3000 bucks a year. Care about that one. And then also cared about the one we did with Jeff Goodman and everybody in that group chat. Uh, you will note that I made the final four of the big keepers league, which was an overachievement, by the way. My team was really, like, top 10 good. And then I won the Jeff Goodman league. I'm very good at fantasy football, Tristan. So, no, I'm not losing sleep about this. Am I prepping? No. I'm just pretty good at all this. But I need to decide what leagues I care about this year because three is too many leagues to care about, and I'm currently signed up for four, and I don't know what to do with that. So you're signed up for the keepers. Are the Is the Goodman league running it back? The keeper is one I'm always going to care about. That's always priority one. Goodman League is running it back. I certainly would like to win that one again, just to be a total dickhead to all these people. Side note, Jeff Borzello, incredibly good at fantasy football. He's the yeah. only threat to me in that league. Um, outside of that, though, I, we got the sleepers one, which I by default have to care about. 
because I'm not going to not care. Or co-own it. Discord. Yeah. See, that's the problem is you, you so abruptly don't care that I don't know how this is going to work. No, it's not a don't care thing. I'm just bad. I'm bad at fantasy sports. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I mean, I'm, and I'm upfront about it. I am bad. We did co-own a, a NBA fantasy team a couple of years. That was so hard though. Cause you literally got to update it every single day. Yeah. I don't like fantasy basketball the way I do fantasy football. So um, I think, I, I don't know. I'm. I have to care about the Goodman League. I have to care about the Keepers League, and I'm gonna care about the Sleepers League, which means my Dimers League is gonna be the one I don't care about. <laughs> yeah, but also, Tristan, you're in the Goodman League, and wasn't he? Wasn't he ass? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, what are you? What are you talking about? I think Tristan had like a little winning streak at the end of the year. May have made the playoffs last minute, but um, yeah. And then we had like Evan Miyakawa. And Riley Davis co-owned a team, but they were all algorithm. Like they just they they literally only did what Evan's algorithm told them to do. No dog. And just to be clear, I beat the algorithm. Like some you can't co-own a team with just math. Okay. You gotta mix math with emotion. You gotta mix math with strategy, with cutthroat savviness. Okay. Nobody has it the way Waddell has it algorithms okay let's move on uh ulamog final question says would keon start on this year's florida state basketball team he would have had a big role at msu if healthy at the beginning of the year even jason whiten's got minutes we're gonna do a keon segment but you want to address this one quickly yeah no he would not i think he would play on florida state this year though no i think he i think he'd play he would not start i would need to look at who the starters are on florida state like they lost everybody i think like Matthew Cleveland's out, Caleb Mills is out. Would not start. It's bad times in is it Tallahassee? Yeah, Tallahassee. He started Butler. <laughs> Shout out Lucas Harkins. I think Keon can play, man. We talked about this. Like oh, I do. Oh, I do too. I do too. When I he was mean. in the game with like Steven Izzo, like he was he was a threat. <laughs> when we were when we were talking about uh someone asked who's the best walk on. Like Keon would have been that answer if he was still uh, on Michigan State. Yeah, Keon's a good, but he could have like he would have been a scholarship basketball player if he wanted to be, but he wanted yeah. to do football. And now he's probably going to be a first and, round pick, which is and great. sorry, I know we're I know we're moving on, but we're gonna have to take a footnote for maybe an episode or two after this. Your sleeper league fantasy run last year was special. It was great to be along for the ride. Didn't you like sign like Xavion Knight to like pull out a win? Or something yeah. like that. Yeah, no, night. my big keeper one. Yeah. So yeah, during like the big playoff push in my big 2014 keepers league. Uh yeah, you and I were like on the road to Nebraska and Iowa City back to back in yeah. like a critical must-win week. And I had like everybody hurt. Like I had I'm trying to remember who I had. I think Cooper Cup was hurt. Um I don't know. Nobody cares, but I had two starters hurt. So I needed to, I signed Zonovan Knight who had like 120 yards and two touchdowns. And yeah, I mean, great league, by the way, big, big overhaul. Again, nobody cares about fantasy football, but I traded Pat Mahomes in a keepers league. I traded Pat Mahomes this off season for who we had to revamp things, but uh, my quarterback is now Anthony Richardson. Wow. My backup quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. I don't feel good about that, but. I hate that, but hmm, interesting strategy. I, I never doubt you when it comes to fantasy strategy. That's not something I'll do. I'm a big sell high guy. Like when a guy hits his prime, that's when I'm 
bumping him out the door. Like I, if I was a GM of an actual franchise, people would despise me because I would just <laughs> trade players in their prime all the time. Um, all right. Great. Good day. Great start to the week. Thanks to the Discord comments. Thanks to the YouTube comments, as always. Again, keep leaving the comments on the YouTube. We certainly read those every single day, and uh, we talk about them actually quite a bit. Now that we don't read them every day on the episode, we're texting about them throughout the day. So leave them there. Carter will continue to pick his one per day that he wants to respond to. And in the meantime, if you join the Discord, we will read your comments every single day. Um, link to the Discord is in the description. Would love to see you there. Let's get to it today, Cart. Three topics, starting with some college football, as we alluded to. Keon Coleman, former Michigan State wide receiver, now Florida State star wide receiver. Three touchdowns in his debut last night against LSU. Primetime game, two top 10 teams. And uh, man, Keon bet on himself. And Keon seems to have hit a huge parlay on himself. That's how I feel right now. Uh, he he pretty much explicitly said it. You might know a little more than me on this specific, so I'll let you speak to it. But when he left Michigan State, it didn't seem as if he left on the best terms. There was some flirtation with, is he going to come back to Michigan State or not? And it kind of the whole, like, don't let the door hit you on the way out type thing. He sort of slammed the door on himself a little bit. He said some things about Michigan State he did not need to say that did not paint his time at Michigan State in the most positive light. I believe he said he completed his two-year sentence in East Lansing, and now he's heading to Tallahassee. Well, I'm just going to say it from my perspective, and you can agree or disagree. I don't care, but he looked like a totally different guy to me. We knew he was like a 50-50 ball. He's going to go up and beat you. We knew he could do that, but I never for a second after watching this guy for two years in East Lansing felt that he had best wide receiver in the country potential. After seeing him last night, I don't know who you'd put ahead of him on paper. So um, one night in, seems like it was a decent decision. What do you make of Keon Coleman's huge night? And were you sitting there hurting? Like I know some Michigan State fans were watching this happen. Yeah, I so it's I guess it's twofold for me. One, I wasn't hurting because what what was he supposed to do? Like, is he supposed to stay in East Lansing and play with Noah Kim or play with guys that are just un- uh, that you don't know anything about truly. And he loses his quarterback and Peyton Thorne, and he doesn't want to stay in a situation where he's playing with another unproven quarterback. You really have a certain amount of years too as a college football player. Like you got to play three years of college or two and a half, whatever it is before you even enter. So there's like a really small window and you're getting miles on your legs as a football player. He's in a great situation. I mean, Jordan Travis is damn near 26 years old. He's played a lot of football He's a good quarterback. I saw a funny tweet the other day, though, that I just want to bring up. Someone said that uh, Jordan Travis is Caleb Williams if Caleb Williams wasn't good. And I can't unsee that. But, like, Jordan Travis is, like, I would say good. He's a, he's a good quarterback, obviously. But uh, I'm, I think you see now what kind of dynamic receiver Keon can be when he has some pretty good – when he has better quarterback play. So, you know, credit to him. Obviously, I was I was texting you. I'm like, Florida State might actually be a college football playoff like favorite, like winner in my book. And Keon's one of the best receivers in the country. Yeah, is what it is. Yeah, Michigan State cannot claim Keon. Let that be known. Really? And he left. Okay, is that like a? I, I guess I, I'm interested in fleshing that out a little more because like. It's one of those things where I don't 
think you can blame the kid. Maybe you can say you don't like the decision or you don't like the way he handled publicly his comments on it. But I don't think anyone can sit here objectively and say, like, that was a bad decision by Keon. Oh, no, no. The reason good decision. And, and, and also just to reiterate, when I say we can't claim him, it's more so we can't claim him as like, oh, you see what we do? Like, this is Michigan State wide receivers. Like, we yeah. no. Did we play a bit? Did we play maybe a bit in his development? Yes. Did we maybe hinder his development? Uh, you could probably make the argument that we probably did by what we put around him or the play calling. Um, but you can't blame the kid for leaving for a better situation. That's that's what it is. It, it maybe it hurts more when they leave for a worse situation. But <laughs> I also saw a tweet that was funny. Is someone said this is what Wake Forest fans must have felt like when they were watching Kenneth Walker season? Yeah, which is crazy. So this is the era of college sports, though. It's like the transfer portal giveth, and then the transfer portal taketh away. And you better make sure that your program is in a healthy enough spot that it's appealing to your stars to stay and maximize their potential. And I will make a comparison. I made the comparison on Twitter last night, but Cart, this is like one for one what Michigan's going through with Hunter Dickinson right now. And I know people have compared Michigan State football to Michigan basketball. There's no one on earth that's a fan of those two the way I am. Like, I'm I'm sitting at home getting double hurt while everybody else victory laps the other one and makes jokes at the other people's expense. This sucks for me double. The truth is, Hunter Dickinson made the right decision. He went from a bad program that did nothing to put him in positions to succeed to one of the best in the country, and he's going to be a first-team All-American probably. Keon Coleman, I don't like Florida State football isn't what Kansas basketball is, but Keon Coleman left the spot where he wasn't put in a position to succeed and now is front and center looking like one of the best players in the country on a a top 10 team on a top 10 team at a place that's giving him more money. So like it, it and I think people can step back and you can kind of summarize and just be like, oh, it's money, but it's not just money. That's the thing. It is money. Hunter Dickinson is making more at Kansas than he would have made at Michigan and probably a lot of other places. Keon Coleman is making more at Florida State than he would have made at Michigan State and probably a lot of other places. But these transfers were much more about what Michigan basketball and Michigan State football failed to do for these guys. They failed to put them in positions to be on winning teams, shining individually. Even if Hunter Dickinson was great individually, Michigan basketball wasn't going to be anything great last year because of the the flaws of the roster around him. Even if Keon Coleman was fantastic last year, when at times he was, Michigan State football was barely going to make a bowl game. So, like, like at a, a broader sense, you got to step back and realize it's on the staffs more than anything. And I know people like to pick out Peyton Thorne. You and I disagree on this very strongly. Um, I don't think Peyton Thorne was good last season at all. I think he was good the season before it, but implicitly when you say Peyton Thorne failed Keon Coleman and that was the problem, you imply that there was a solution on the roster at quarterback and there wasn't. Even if Peyton Thorne was bad, he was the best option. That should be abundantly clear after watching Noah Kim and Kaiten Hauser. In game can, I, can, I, can I ask you something? If Peyton Thorne stayed at Michigan State, does Keon still leave? I don't know. I don't know. Yes. Yes, he a thousand percent still well, leaves. So I, this a is what I was going to ask you, because I, I truly, I don't know the dynamics of like, like, did those two get along or not? I know there were rumors they didn't. Well, it was more so rumor they didn't get along because of Peyton's play. 
wasn't it more that just Peyton like preferential treatment to Jaden Reed because they were boys? Uh, no, it was more so like his actual play. Like he didn't. I mean, I guess it's. I guess it correlates because it 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 correlates to touches and throws. Okay, but it it was just more so like he wasn't making. Obviously, if you put it near Keon, you see what he can do. Like Jordan Travis is a, I would say a good quarterback. I don't think he's all worldly. You give him a chance to make plays. You give him some, some, you know, and obviously play calling factors into that too. And I do think you make a good point about that. It's not all on Peyton Thorne. I think we, I think sometimes that gets lost in the translation when we argue it. It's not all Peyton Thorne's fault. Peyton Thorne was part of the problem, but there was also other people that were part of the problem. Yeah. And I don't know if the current quarterbacks are the solution, but we don't even know if they're part of the problem yet. We're going to find out. They might be. I think we've seen enough to say they're not a solution. That would be where I differ from you. And if you want to wait yeah, another but, month. Okay, but, can, can, but, but can, they, can they be not the solution, but also not part of the problem? Can they be in the middle of that? Can they just be there? I just think it's like, it, it it's hard for me to map all of the criticisms because I, it's easy to scapegoat Thorne because he's gone, right? Everybody else you would scapegoat is still in the room. Jay Johnson is still in the room. Mel Tucker is still in the room. The backup quarterbacks are still in the room, and now they're not the backups. So if you're going to blame someone, might as well blame the guy who left, right? I get that. He also were a winning football team and beat Michigan with him when he was healthy the season before. So I'm not here saying Peyton Thorne was good. Like, let me be clear about that. I'm not saying he was good. But it's hard. Like, the, the a lot of the same people who are blaming Peyton Thorne have been allowed that, oh, Peyton Hauser's the answer. And then they were silent when we saw three plays of Kaden Hauser and he almost turned it over twice. Yeah, that was tough. Um, so I just think like, and even it, it, say those people were right, by the way, like if Kaden Hauser was truly the answer here, it's such an indictment on Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson that they wouldn't be able to see that. <laughs> like if there was an obvious quarterback who was better than Peyton Thorne, then your coaching staff's horrible for not identifying that and figuring it out last season. I tend to, even though I'm a big critic of Mel Tucker, I tend to think they know who the best quarterback in the room is. Like, I don't think they're playing the wrong guy here. I just don't think any of these quarterbacks are any good. So um, we'll see what happens. The The tough part is the one thing Noah Kim is good at is throwing fades. <laughs> and That's all you need to do with Keon, right? Like, if he was back here, we just dial up 100 fades. <laughs> He's probably University of fades. We're just handing out fades and running fades. I don't get it, man. What do you think? Uh, how does this end for Keon? Like, obviously, he's not going to have three touchdowns every single week, but is this like a first-team All-American season, first-round draft pick loading? Oh, yeah, I think it's a I, – actually, I was surprised that um, I think I, I can't remember what publication actually put it up, uh, but it shocked me when I first saw it. Someone had him like in the 15 range as far as like where he'd be picked. I, I, I guess I was just out of the loop on that. I didn't really see him in that range, but he's going to have a dynamic season. They got a Florida State has a really good team too. Like they just got like Keon Coleman, six, four, 40 inch vertical. They got a receiver who's six, eight, who can't catch slants, but he could make the most amazing catches of all time. Then they got like Jaheim Bell. They got a really good football team so i think it's going to be a all-american type probably flirting with a blitnikoff award maybe type season for him it could happen i'll say that i uh i think there's a little fallback to earth at some point for keon um Mm -hmm. like i just 
I I guess I just never from watching him all at Michigan State, and I don't think it was all the situation's fault. I never saw like that dude's an NFL superstar waiting to happen. Yeah, the, like, the most crazy thing that I saw last night, because I I guess as a Michigan State fan, I expected like the the fades. Like that's what Keon does. You throw him a fade route, he's six four, he's a big body, he's athletic as hell. He'll go up and catch it over the guy. They had him returning punts. They had him. He caught that one slant route, the first touchdown he had, and like was making moves and got to the end zone, like took off. I was like, shit, this guy's dynamic. So I guess it's more of a we will have to see if that dynamicness continues. Uh, But if he's doing all what he was doing in the first game, like he's special. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I hate to even go here, but I'm going to. You have repeatedly, when the opportunity has presented itself, when we do the Hunter Dickinson conversation, you have repeatedly brought up the concept of, are you worried that Terrace Reed either has a good year, but the team doesn't, or somebody comes in and takes some minutes from Terrace and Terrace leaves. Mm -hmm. Isn't there a little back of your mind right now that Jerron Glover, like if I'm John Glover, am I not sliding into Mike Norvell's DMs after game one? Like, oh, I'm 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 always scared. I guess like because that's I'm just trying to like if I'm Michigan State, my number one priority is at the end of this season, people have to view your program as healthy enough they want to come back. True, but also di- different people had different type of mindsets. Keon's oh, different. Keon's different mentally. Keon's a run from the grind. Is that what you're saying? Not a run from the grind, but he's he's a run from something. I'm not going to comment on this podcast. Run from what? Just shout out to all the good fathers out there. Oh, my God. Jesus, man. Y'all, that's crazy. That's crazy. I'm not, I'm, that's rumors. I don't know. I'm just saying. That's crazy. It's not always run from the grind, but no, what I, what, what I really wanted to say with that is that some people, I don't know, maybe like carry themselves as like, and they should like a superstar. Like he wants to go be a superstar. He wants to go be the, the guy. Not everyone carries himself like that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like he just, wants the big lights. He wants to play in Florida state. He wants to, you know, people culture, culture appropriating shit. Like he, he loves that. He wants that. He not loves, everyone wants that. Loves cultural appropriation. Some people want that. You don't. You don't think the next guy up is thinking superstar? That's not a goal of a. Of a I mean, I'm scared player. for every player in the country to leave, especially if I'm Michigan State and we don't have money. I think I'm the problem. That's what I. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. That's is Mel Jawan Howard. There's a lot of lot of comparisons here. I think one of them's a much better coach than the other, though. It's my true feeling. Which one? I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, I want to talk Dion Sanders in Colorado. So we uh, we probably should have been more upfront about our Colorado belief. Like I wish we would have gone back and both had against the spread picks on the Buffs against TCU. Here, looking back, it was one of the best obvious plays you could have had. But uh, I did have Colorado money line in one of my long shot parlays. It was great watching that leg cash. I know you and I jumped on it live a little bit too, trying to back Colorado. But um, man, Shador Sanders is awesome. Travis Hunter is the best player in the country right now. I don't care if he doesn't have like an eye-popping stat line. He's still the best player in the country. What he's doing, playing the percent of snaps he is on both sides of the football, now at a high major level, 
is insane. It's just Charles Woodson 2.0. It's absurd. Uh, and Dion is right. Like Dion has been very brash about all this, all the clips of him coming into that locker room and saying, if you're not ready for this, get out. He brings his guys with him. He bets on his son who was at an HBCU. And then he puts up 500 passing yards against a team that was just in the college football playoff. And then he hits the podium and basically says F you to every single writer that doubted him. I love everything about this. What is your impression of Deion Sanders and his start at Colorado? Yeah, I mean, I I loved it. It was uh, to go into, despite what TCU lost, obviously they lost Duggan, they lost Williams, but to go into the home of TCU, the team that just was in the college football playoff championship game last year, and be 20-point underdogs and win the game after all the noise that surrounded the program throughout this offseason and everything that went on, and people were upset about, you know, uh, What's he doing? What's he's doing with the players? Like all the cameras, all the talk. Like everyone's just so upset and bent out of shape about it. And he goes in there and he gets a dub. And to put it in basketball terms, and I just came up with this two seconds ago, so it could be very wrong. I just love the idea that Colorado's mindset and Dion's mindset is I'm gonna get like guys and I'm gonna just let guys rock. It's kind of Jerome Tangish at Kansas State. Like I just got guys and I'm just let guys go make plays. And I kind of like that. Like he's got Edwards, he's got Horn Jr., he's got Hunter, and he's got his son. And yeah, they gave up 45 points, but he's like, shit, I got guys on my side. Like, let let those guys go make plays. Let Travis Hunter make plays defensively. Let Jimmy Horn Jr. make plays. Weaver, make plays. Shadur, make plays. Dylan Edwards, make plays. Just put your guys in a position to rock. And I, you know, I love that mindset. Uh, and it's probably extremely fun to play in as a player as well. And you'll be damned if you don't think that also this is like the beginning. This is this couldn't have started out better for Dion because we talked about how players like kind of see what the other side looks like. There's players around the country right now that are maybe not in the best situations that are extremely talented. And they're like, shit, I want to do that. I want to go make plays like that's going to be intriguing to them. Yeah, it was a Travis Etienne hit. Twitter and basically said, damn, Lil Bro, maybe he should go. <laughs> like, and that's his Lil Bro is one of the most talented guys on paper in the country right now. So, yeah. like, we got a little tampering live right now. Somebody tweeted out and said, college football has a Deion Sanders problem and it's only going to get louder and louder. And I don't know that I would frame it as a problem. And I have a little more thought on that that I'll speak to in a moment. But uh, they're absolutely right that, like, this is only going to get bigger and louder and more successful than it is right now. And that should terrify everyone that is an opponent of Deion Sanders, because uh, if this is how good his football team is right now, they can step on a field in a road game against a team that was just one of the final two teams left. That was just in the national championship game and win a road game with a roster that I think is probably far away from what his future rosters could be in terms of talent. This really could be his sport in a year. And I don't think we're overstepping to say that. Now, they need to sustain this a little bit. Like, there's definitely crash back down to earth potential. They're a pick them against Nebraska next week, which is crazy because Nebraska looked horrible. But um, they have a very tough schedule. Like, you look through, they got to go at Oregon. They play USC at home. They go at UCLA, at Utah. Like, this, this is a tough schedule. So they got to have a winning year. Like if he wins six, seven games on this schedule, honestly, I think that's a pretty good year. Maybe expectations have changed, but it's one of those things where like 
if he stays at Colorado, next year's portal class is going to be absurd. Like people are going to be running through the door to sign up to mm-hmm. play here. And if he doesn't want to stay at Colorado, I think there's a lot of programs that would immediately throw all the money in the world at him. <laughs> like oh, yeah. SEC school. What school wouldn't want Deion Sanders to be their head coach right now? I don't know. Like, is Alabama and Georgia the only two in the country that would prefer their current coach? Probably. Michigan, pro- maybe Michigan too. Probably Michigan. Or like BYU's coach. Yeah, or that. But I don't know, man. Like, I just I think it's going to be his sport sooner rather than later, which yeah. is crazy. I mean, and you and you think about it, G. Uh, the start of the season, the over under for Vegas for wins for them was like two. It's three and a half. Like that's so if he wins, if he gets over that, and there was and there was stats that back this, people were hammering the under. There was a lot of talk about this is the worst roster in Division One football, like Power Five schools. So they're really shutting down that noise early. Obviously, they could cut, crash back and come back to earth, but damn, it looks fun to play for Dion. The thing though is like I don't think there's that much that could crash because Shador is really good. Like that's that's the main thing here is I don't think your offense is going to crash as long as he's the guy under center if he stays healthy. And I don't think people realize that because he was at Jackson State. But I think anybody that watched him knew like the the speed and the arm were there. It was just like, can he process things at a faster level? He looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the country in game one. And I get it was TCU's defense. But um, you look down this list like it's not like Pac-12 defenses are elite. Like you don't think this offense is going to score forty points against USC? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's I mean, they, I mean, nuts. USC made Jimmy Cordero look like a Heisman candidate. It's going to be shootouts, and that's where they're going to thrive. So, um, the last thing for me, this is more broad, but I was at like a little family function yesterday, uh, and we were talking about Dion in Colorado with my father and my uncle, notorious old Caucasian men. No offense to frame it that way, but let's just let's call it what it is. These are old Caucasian sports fan men. okay? Uh, and they they were very out loud, just like we we don't like what Deion Sanders is doing. This is bad. This epitomizes what is bad about sports right now. And I'm like, I'm really sad that that's how people are viewing this. And I get like there probably are everybody from that generation and that demographic probably views it this way. But I think there's a pretty big difference between what Dion is doing and like what everyone else playing the portal is doing. And I just want to say that out loud because this isn't like Kansas or Alabama, like Kansas basketball, Alabama football being like, we have more money than everybody else. So I'm going to go poach my rival's best player. That's not what's happening right here. And it might be what happens in the future. But like what this is right now, is Dion taking a bunch of kids that were playing at an HBCU to, to some level they were doubted. And I know Travis Hunter had offers everywhere. It's a credit to Dion that he got him to believe in what he's selling to come to Jackson state. But like Shad was with him at Jackson state. Like Shad didn't necessarily have crazy offers. People doubted the player that he was. And there's a lot of other guys on this team that came from Jackson state. And I think to give them a platform and give them an opportunity, like, I don't know how you watched the post-game interview of Travis Hunter and Shad, and then they brought the running back who had three touchdowns in. Like, these guys truly believe with their bones what Dion is selling them. 
And I don't think it's bullshit. I think this is like a, he has an incredible ability to make it us against the world. And it's not what the big blue blood evil schools are doing of just buying players right now. He's giving kids that didn't have chances a chance to be special. And I, I wish people embraced that more instead of just old white men being like black coach doing bad things. Yeah, it's it's nasty work to see. And it's noted, too. It's not just it's it's there's a there's a narrative that's kind of floating around that's just like eh, it doesn't necessarily rub me the right way. Pause. My father and uncle don't rub you the right way. Okay. Come on, man. I'm just, you've had some beef with my dad before. I mean, big. Yeah. Beatles well, because his Beatles takes her asinine. But he loves them, though. And I love that he loves them. You love his love. You just wish. Yeah. His I love, love was, I love and respect his love. But you wish his love was directed to better things. Yeah. Like, why listen to, why listen to Ringo Starr when you got a granddaughter now? You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we shift. I think you hate a lot of things my dad loves. Like my dad loves Michigan football, Jim Harbaugh. My dad loves the Beatles. I mean, what else does he love? Law. I think he loves law. He, he loved law. That was, he loves you. I love you. Okay. So we can bond over that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That, that, that's, All right. That's big. Final thing on uh, on Dion in Colorado. How does this end for them this year? What's their record? Where does their season end? See, the schedule is just so hard. It, it truly is. And it's eventually going to come somewhat back down level to earth. I think, like, they become bowl eligible. It's like six wins. And that's a good that's a good year. Okay. Uh, I think this team's in a New Year's six bowl game. Shit. I don't think they're in the playoff. I think they they lose one to two games. But wow. yeah, I think they're that good. Like I if you told me between at Utah, at UCLA, home to USC at Oregon, I think they win minimum two of those four games. Yeah. I mean UCLA was kind of in a dogfight with Coastal Carolina. Yeah. Like I, I would expect them to win UCLA. I mean, a home game in Boulder against USC. That place is going to go crazy in that game, and it's going to be a shootout, and they can win shootouts. Um, let's see what they do against Nebraska. But I, I genuinely believe they're going to beat Nebraska by like twenty plus points. Yeah, we'll see. So, I'm, I'm all over that game. Okay, we'll see. Third topic here: back to college basketball world. Big Ten trades. Where did this topic come from? Did you brainchild this, or did we have a comment that wanted this? I think we had. Actually, I think this was my little brainchild. I had like a little statement, like, what if we could trade? Uh, I can't remember. What, it might have been Coleman. Coleman to Rutgers. And then you thought, save that. Let's talk about what we do for a segment for it. I think you just took credit from a comment. I think someone commented, what player would you trade? And then we said, we're going to save that. Really? Yeah, I think so. Maybe okay, not. Well, I don't know. If I did, if I did, I'm sorry. But also at the same time, like you can, you can fight me too if you want to. So I asked you to bring three trades. I also brought three trades. Uh, let's just, you go first, I'll go second. Unveil your three trades. Go from your least favorite to your favorite. And then I will tell you whether, one, these teams would accept this trade. And then two, uh, like just, I, I don't want to say give it a grade, but basically speak to whether I like it, whether I don't like it, who I think wins it, et cetera. So okay. let's start with your least favorite. Take us to your favorite. And then I got three after that. 
All right, my least favorite is Doug McDaniel traded to the Illinois Fighting Illini for Dre Gibbs Lawhorn. Talk me through the why here. I think that, one, I think that Doug can be a dynamic level point guard. And I think that he could also solidify, like, Illinois, I know you originally said that you want it to be like a one-year thing. I'm also thinking that Illinois will eventually have senior year Doug McDaniel, senior year Sincere Harris, senior year Ty Rogers, and like they just got like unreal core going forward of guys that check, play extremely hard, and love basketball. I kind of okay. like that. Dre gives Lawhorn, I think, can just rock on this Minis- on this Michigan team. Sorry, not Minnesota. I'm How dare you? I'm sorry. That, that was a that was a legit accident. I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. We have work to do. You're mistaking my, us for Minnesota. That's my apology. I think he'd be extremely dynamic. I think he's a dynamic guard that Michigan doesn't have. I think he's a different type of archetype than Doug McDaniel. And I think he could be a bucket getter just for Michigan. Like if he was on Michigan's team this year, I think he averages like close to 13, 14 points a game. You don't think Doug's doing that? No. So in your head, Dre is a better player which is why Michigan takes this. And Doug is a better pure point guard years down the line, which is why Illinois takes that. That's the, the I, thought behind yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I don't think this trade goes through. That's my evaluation. I think Michigan declines it because I don't think Dre Gibbs Lawhorn is a better player than Doug, first of all. Um, if Michigan was in like a win now mode, maybe. But Michigan, if anything, I think should be in like, let's find a young core that matters. And I don't think you want potential toxic locker room one and done guy over small point guard who you know you have three more years of. So Illinois would take that, in my opinion. Don't think Michigan would. Okay. All right. I'm kind of mad that I got my first one shot down. We'll go to the second one. I can't believe you think Doug can't score 13 a game. Like that's that's kind of my baseline for Doug this year, to be honest. I don't know. He strikes me as more like a 10. 10, 5, and I think five. we might we might have a bet here. I'd be down for that. Oh, he is. All right. Second one. Olivia and Kamwa. <laughs> I love they're all Michigan. For TKR. Ooh. Ooh. I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Okay, give me more. Give me more. Awesome. Okay. So I think that TKR to me is he's a center. I think he'd be most dominant as center, but a center could also stretch the floor a little bit. Maybe hitting like a 15 foot jumper. Um, yes, the fit might not be necessarily as well with Terrace, but I think you figure that out. I, I don't know who figures that out, but that's why you have a coaching staff. They can figure it out somehow. Uh, Juwan also loves a good power forward, so he would embrace TKR with open arms. Let that be known. And I just think that Olivia and Combo could be dynamic next to Edie. I think defensively he could be really, really good. I think it's a great defensive front court. Edie doesn't get enough credit for what he is as a rim protector. Um, and, you know, I will kind of go on your mindset here that Olivier can stretch the floor more than I give him credit for. Yeah, he shot it really well at the FIBA thing. And I know it's a small sample size, but like I test. Shout out to Finland, man. I love Finland. Lori Markinen. I test. I test and numbers were really, really good for Olivier. Like he, he looks like a guy who's going to shoot a lot of threes this year even age number two for that that's good i uh okay so i think purdue fans are gonna hear this and would say no way i think purdue fans will act like 
they're just too high on TKR and he's way better. I think both coaches accept this trade immediately Ooh. if that's on the table. I do. Uh, I think Purdue should be in a win now mode and Olivier would help them win more this season than TKR would. He is a better fit with Edie. He's probably the ultimate win now for you could put next to the national player of the year and you could put with those guards. I love that fit for him. And I don't think Purdue needs to play for the future because you still got Caleb first. You still got these young guards. You're still going to be able to recruit big bigs. Um, they need to win now, and Olivier would help them do that. Michigan, even if it's clunky with TKR and Terrace, you take the bet on the guy with more years than Olivier. Like uh, Olivier is not bringing Michigan to a Final Four this year, so take TKR's upside next season and figure it out. I love that trade. I accept that trade, and I think Purdue wins that trade because I think Olivier is probably better than TKR on paper right now, and uh, it's a win-win. But Purdue wins that trade. Glad to see that. That's exactly how I see it. And then lastly. I have a Michigan State to Illinois trade. I have Coleman being traded for AJ Hogard. Oh my God. I can't believe you went there. I'm I am I'm huge on Jeremy Fears. I think that Jeremy Fears can play right away. I think you can have also you have Tyson and Jaden still on the team. I think that could be dynamic as well. I would love to see that that court of Jaden and Tyson, to be honest with you, if that doesn't work out, you throw fears in there. Um, and I think that we could use some front court help. And I think Coleman can do that both offensively and defensively. He can help us out. I think that'd be really good. And, you know, obviously not to harp on it. Illinois needs a point guard. Why not take one of the best point guards in the big 10 and AJ Hogard? So I want to ask you this, cause I'm, I'm shocked you went here, but if you were going to trade AJ Hogard, is Coleman your number one, ideal target like if you're if you're saying i'm trading aj hogard for a front court guy i feel like you could get guys that aren't coleman if you wanted like you could get anybody from indiana's front court for aj hogard you think they would you think they would i think that i I mean they need a guard more so coleman because i think they would actually trade him i need i need to see it accepted oh okay you don't think indiana would trade one of their three no not from the sounds of it See, I they, I think they, they, they would. Got, they got Xavier Johnson. Why would they? Okay, I think they would. But okay, I wasn't sure if that was like you think Coleman's the best option, or you think he needs to go. I think it needs to be. I think the trade needs to be accepted. Got it. Okay. Um, man, I can't believe you went there on AJ. I love the logic. Like I'm with you. The Michigan State's backcourt would be totally fine with Fierce Walker Akins. With that said, I also think Hogard has first team All Big Ten upside, but. Like, uh, what are you doing with Coleman? Is he the starting five for Michigan State now and plays next to Malik Hall? Yeah. I mean, deep down, there's no way Tom Izzo does this. But on paper, if I'm both coaches, I do it. (laughs) I think, right? I think, like, I mean, it's a no-brainer if you're Illinois. No offense to Coleman. But, like, you put A.J. Hogar with Terrence Shannon... Dane Danger and the others. I think that's a top. That's probably the third best team in the Big Ten. So I'm in on that. Michigan State's a bigger question, but I'm with you. Like I think, I think they need a front court upgrade, and you can get by losing whatever guard you want to pick out of it. So I would do it. Izzo never would, but ugh. I I did have on the original first write through. I had fears for Coleman, and then I changed it to Hogarth for Coleman. I that one's actually more intriguing to me because I think. Michigan State fans could get behind that easier 
And I think Illinois wouldn't mind having four years of fears over one year of AJ. See, I think Michigan State fans would say, I want those years of fears instead of over this one year of AJ. Okay. I'm intrigued. If we end up clipping this, I'm very curious to see what the Michigan State reception of this would be. I think mostly. Be, I know it'll be. It'll be your fault. <laughs> of course, it'll be my fault. Okay. So I'll give you two out of three for that. Do you feel good about that? Is that a good result for you? Yeah, yeah I'll take that. I, I was expecting 03. Okay. So I have three. Uh, two of mine are a lot more complicated than yours. What You want to start with the easy one or you want to start with the complicated ones? Start with the easy one. Let's get a okay. Layout. Start with the easy one. Boo Booey for Dre Gibbs Lawhorn. Would you like some explanation? I would like some explanation, yes. Boo Booey being stellar for Northwestern this season does nothing for Northwestern this season. And I'm the biggest boo guy there is. I won't put it past him to drag this team back to the tournament. It could happen. But Northwestern actually, outside of boo right now, one, doesn't have a lot that's ready to win now. Two, has some young guys. Like, if you look at the other guys who are going to play for Northwestern, it's guys who have multiple years of eligibility for the most part, other than a couple of transfers they brought in. They need a guy who's the next boo. They don't need the current boo right now. They need a guy who could be boo three years from now and can grow with them. Dre might think he's a one and done, but he's super talented. You throw him on Northwestern, kind of like what you were saying in Michigan. It's just the Dre Gibbs Lockhorn show. He can do whatever the hell he wants, and it'd be really fun to watch. Boo is the ultimate win-now point guard for a team that needs a win-now point guard. I, I thought about a Michigan State-Illinois flip like you did, but I think at the end of the day, Izzo would never do it. I think truly right now, Northwestern would take the guy with four years of eligibility, and Illinois would take the win-now guy. Hmm. I like that trade. I think Northwestern would be hesitant to give up Boo. I I just think optically, could they let go of the greatest? I, I mean, I don't know if he is, but like one of the greatest Northwestern players of all time. I think they could embrace the prospect of DGL. Okay. I think they accept it. I will, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I think they accept it. Also think your body would just combust on the spot if you got a backcourt of Boo Boo and Terrence Shannon Jr., uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I just would be such an Illinois fan at that point. Like if I could get those those two together. I think that's probably why I led with that trade, honestly. I just want to see it so badly. We need to get like, you know, at the end of the season when they do like the all-star game stuff yeah. in uh in Phoenix next year. I need to see a Boo and Terrence Shannon team at like the Reese's game. That'd be incredible. That'd be nice. Or or just a photo. Just a yeah. photo so we can post like what what could have been. Or just a photo with me. Like, I'll take that as an alternative. I'm right there with, yeah, we can work it out. Okay. You ready for the complicated ones? Both of these are complicated. All right, let's hear it. Are there cap implications with this? No, the just players for players. I thought about throwing some NIL in, but uh, there's a lot of names involved. Not one for ones on this one. Okay. okay. No, number two. Caleb first. Hamden Hyde. Brian Waddell. And David Jenkins. In a package. Is David Jenkins still on Purdue? Uh is he who's who's the transfer guard now? Not Lance David. Jones. Lance Jones. That's what I meant. Jesus. Sorry. Caleb first. Cam denied. Brian Waddell and Lance Jones. For Kise Tominaga. That's it. <laughs> Hear me out. Hear me out. Just Kise. 
All Purdue needs, all Purdue needs is a no-brainer stud shooter that's fun and that doesn't need the ball, but when he gets the ball, he's electric and he makes shots. Now, I didn't want to blow it up for Purdue. Like, I thought about, do you trade Fletch? No, because Fletch still has three years, and Fletch could be really good, and he might be a good shooter this year. Purdue fans would never trade Miles Colvin. Thought about that. I don't think they need to. You you keep TKR. If you're Purdue, you keep everybody that truly matters here. You just trade a bunch of other kind of high upside guys that are like 8th through 12th on this roster for a no-brainer win-now guy that you slot in at the three. You could run Braden Fletcher, Tominaga, TKR, and Edie. That team's absurd. For North, or for Nebraska, again, kind of Northwestern-y, no matter how good Kisei is, it doesn't matter. You need a whole team. Caleb First has theoretically maybe three years. Is it two or three more years? I don't know. Camden Hyde, you got four years of. He'd fly around, and Lincoln would absolutely love him. Brian Waddell, I have no idea how many years he has left, but that's that all four of those guys would be Nebraska's like second through sixth best players. They're probably a more competitive team. And Purdue goes all in on a national title. I think that trade is accepted too. <laughs> Let's go. That's a great honestly. Okay, but would it go through? Could I throw in if I'm Nebraska, could I throw in or if I'm Purdue, could I throw in Gillis? Over first, or they don't accept that if it's Gillis. Ooh, um, I don't. They I probably think, don't. I think first has to be the face of this trade. Also, first yeah. just kind of feels like a Nebraska player. He does kind of look like he he was at home when we saw him in Nebraska. He felt good. I think first might end up being first team All Big Ten if he was at Nebraska. <laughs> Man, I wouldn't honestly. I would be surprised. Yeah. Um. No. I, I. You could probably put Gillis in for like somebody else, but I. I don't think Nebraska cares about Gillis. Can I trade AJ for for first? <laughs> no, you cannot. All right. So my two for two right now. I'm going for the win on the third. You one. are two for two right now. Yes. This is dangerous. You have to promise me. You have to promise me. You'll be honest and objective at the end of this. Okay. One. So I already know this is gonna be some bullshit. All right. Here we go. I'm kind of tempted to change the player name just to try to win the exercise here and go three for three. But I'm gonna stick with what I had. Okay. This is a Michigan for Michigan State trade. It's a two for two trade. I want to send to Michigan State, Olivier Kama and Namari Burnett. I want to send to Michigan, Jackson Kohler and Jade Nakins. I know this is incredibly hard because you love Akins, as do I. Here's the simple truth. Hogard and Walker are the national title shot here. Even if I want to downplay Hogard, I'm kind of over that. I've been gassing him up this offseason. Hogard and Walker are the national title shot. Akins is a good wing. No doubt. We got to see what Akins looks like on the ball. We're not going to see it this year. Namari Burnett is worse than Jay Nakins by a lot, but he can play the role Jay Nakins is asked to play at Michigan State and be fine. Kamwa is a total upgrade. Kamwa is a no-brainer upgrade. Best player in Michigan State's front court the moment he steps on that team. Michigan State runs out Hogard, Walker, uh, whoever they want at the three, but I think Burnett would probably start. And then either Booker or Hall and Kamwa. That's your starting team. It's absurd. Michigan now runs out Doug, Akins, Jackson Kohler probably plays the four. Terrace Reed. Michigan has a couple guys with a couple years of eligibility, and Aikens gets the ball in his hands a lot more. Mm. 
Okay, this pains me to say because the logic fits. No, Michigan State denies it. No, I don't care. (laughs) Fuck logic. No. No. Just love wins. Love wins. I can't do it. I can't. Jaden has braids now. He does. But that was uh, one of the but also that would, but also that would fit. It would. It I think would, it, it makes would. both teams better. I'll give you this. I would okay, let's not say better, but I'll I'll give you this. <laughs> it would be thought out on both sides. There it wouldn't be a immediate deny, immediate accept. There'd be there'd be conversations. I think it makes both teams better. If not, it would make Michigan State worse a year from now because you don't get senior year Jaden. But um, if you're going in on national title, I think that would help you more in theory. And I think Jaden Akins would just be basketball Keon Coleman the moment he steps in Ann Arbor. Man, how do I, how do I know that somehow this exercise would end up with Jay? I should have known that there was going to be some trade that got that man to Ann Arbor. Yeah, I mean, if you if you offer me the exercise of Big Ten trades, I'm not going to not do everything I can to get Jaden. A. Honestly, yeah, I, I respect it. I respect it. I truly do. Okay, flipping this though, <laughs> you're the GM of Michigan State basketball. I'm the GM of Michigan basketball. I call you, and my starting offer is what I just said. My starting offer is Olivier Kamwa and Namari Burnett for Jade Nakins and Jackson Kohler. Like you said, we probably talk it out. Okay, you call me back ten minutes later and say no deal. If I respond to you and say, name your price, nothing is untouchable. Take my entire roster. I just want Jade Nakins. What what's your response? I would say throw in Jason a trade and I'll accept it. <laughs> I want I, I want his son. That's so mean. Just for optic purposes. Take I'm I'm ripping you from mommy and daddy. Come on. <laughs> And I'm making him wear Michigan, and I'm starting him every game <laughs> so you can get a picture of him in the jersey. That's a level of petty I didn't even know that you had within you. But uh, for the record, that's a no-brainer. Hundred <laughs> percent doing that. All right, that was a fun exercise. We both finished two for three, I guess. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you three for three. Oh, thanks. I don't take handouts though, so we both finished two for three. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's finish today's episode with one big thing presented by Bigby. Uh, today, Carter, I actually got this lovely Big B iced coffee that I actually took and I dumped in a Dunkin' cup for no reason. So this is a beautiful, beautiful Big B iced coffee. It tastes fantastic. What's your one big thing today? I love how I can always tell how your day is going by where your iced coffee is at the point of our conversations. Like you got a long day ahead of you, I feel like. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, my one big thing, uh, personal note here, it is my baby sister. Well, my baby sister, she's turning 27 today. It's her birthday. So I just want to say happy birthday, Lillian. Uh, classic case of I went through hell growing up and had to have all the rules in the world so that she could live a life that's free, fun, and without rules. Um, glad to be the human sacrifice for that. She's out here living her life, uh, doing big things. Super proud of her. So just want to say happy birthday, Lily. And uh, I know she doesn't watch this podcast, so she's not going to see it. But if you want to be a good baby sister, support your brother and actually watch, you jackass. But happy birthday. That didn't feel like the most loving birthday wish I've ever heard. That's how that's how we communicate. I have her in my phone. It's stupid. Wow. Who's your favorite sister? Uh, Grace, my middle sister. <laughs> You're just so comfortable saying that? Yeah. I, why lie? We don't lie to family. 
It's right. close. I love them both. I die for them both. But Grace is my favorite. Well, happy birthday, Lily. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. All right. Uh, my one big thing today. Um, so I this was the thing I ran into a bunch on my vacation in Traverse City this past weekend. Okay. But, well, there was a gas leak. That was a horrible moment. Probably the roughest moment of my parenthood thus far, to be honest. But um, we made it through. We survived. That's not my one big thing. My one big thing is this. I don't think at any checkout, at any for pay establishment in the world, I don't think that you should be asked to tip before you receive your product. And I, I'm getting frustrated that everybody uses like the card swipes themselves. And I'll be completely honest, Car. I'm I like to tip. Okay, like I'm a I'm a tip every time something. Okay, not that. I like to give additional money on the things that I buy to the service staff, and I like to do so every time across the board. If I get great service, I would like to give a lot of a money okay I'm, I'm gonna avoid the word i would like to exceed the 20 percent baseline quite often if i get great service if i have a nice human to human interaction the problem is when you ask me to tip before i have that human to human interaction i don't know what i should be tipping for i don't know if i should tip you 20 percent the moment that i sign up to buy a slice of pizza i need to see that pizza come and i need to see how you interact with me when you serve me the pizza so we're we're backwards as a nation right now. All the like we make everything more convenient and easier. Like oh, it's swipe and pay right now. But first, we're gonna ask you a little question. I don't know. Like can I can I ask for ten minutes and I'll come back and tip later because that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to properly tip based on my evaluation of your service. I agree with that, and also I don't think it hasn't gone on notice that the prompt has gone. Usually, usually it was like 10, 15, 20. 25 now the option is not even there we're already up to 18 as the baseline minimum and uh, that doesn't sit right with me now i'm also an avid tipper and whatever word you want to use i give great tips uh but yeah uh you know i'm a i'm a baseline 15 guy and then i work my way up i don't know where you stand on it but i'm baseline 15 based on service i go higher but i do agree you gotta you gotta actually receive the service before you tip the service. I'm a baseline 20 guy, I would say. But if you do something like objectively bad, then you're getting dinged pretty significantly for me. But like, I'd say 90% of the time, like I'm 20 on up. Like if I even have any sort of good experience, whatever, it's like 25, 30 if I can. But uh, if the bets are hit that week, but the point is, I think I think these businesses are costing themselves money, Car. Asking me to tip before I see the human to human interaction. You might get 40% from me if you're just nice five minutes later, but I don't know that you're nice yet. So you got 20. That's tough. I like that. I like that mindset. Last thing I want to ask before we wrap this episode, though. When you tip, if it's not the automated one, how do you do it? Do you do it in your head? I know we're not a math podcast. How do you do how do you calculate? Yeah, I just do it in the head. You do? Okay. Yeah, like if it's I literally, uh, I literally go on my phone. If my bill is twenty nine dollars and seventy two cents, I will go on my phone, type in twenty nine seventy two times twenty percent, put that exact number. Yeah, I'm not that. I uh, or like actually no, I usually round up. I make it zero, so I don't have to do math as far as carrying ones. That's not a smart math podcast. That is a smart move. Not a math podcast. I uh yeah, if my bill is like seventeen seventy four, then I would just in my head know that like five bucks is a good tip. 
I give him five bucks. Okay. I, yeah. That's not how I operate, but I was interested to know. Okay. Good show today. Missed you. Great episode. We'll be back uh, four more episodes this week, every Monday through Friday. Sleepers podcast. Click subscribe if you're watching on the YouTube. Jump in the comment section. Try to get Carter to read your comment on tomorrow's episode. And join the Discord. Link is in the description. Uh, newsletter coming later this week. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.